Hey, thank you for taking a few moments to watch or listen to this weekend cabin talk. My name is Joe Martin. I'm the pastor at First Baptist Church in Toledo, Washington, as usual online, but we're also in person. Many, many, many of you uh, have come back, and there's lots of new folks too. I just want to um, thank you for taking a few moments. And if this is helpful to you, I'd like you to share it. This is part two. You can catch part one. It was in the midweek um, called Lost Causes, part two. Who are your lost causes? Maybe it's a maybe it's a brother or a sister or uncle or maybe your mom or your dad. These are folks that are just, you kind of given up on. You kind of uh, think, man, they're just so far out there. They're just so close-minded. I don't think they'll ever change. I don't think they'll ever really listen to me. I don't think they'll ever come to really believe in, in Christ in any way that will really change their life. They, they, they're scary. In some cases, they might even be a little bit creepy. They might be aggressive. <laughs> and for all these reasons, you conclude, this is just not something I want to deal with. I'm just going to avoid it. I'm not going to have anything to do with this. Sometimes these are people that are really unpredictable. And sometimes they're unsafe. And there are times where you have to use great discernment and wisdom. More often, though, what happens is people just make us uncomfortable. And so we um, tend to think about them as unreachable, and lost causes. You know what Jesus always does about this in my life? He always rebukes me for fear and reminds me that as his disciple and you as his disciple, that there are no lost causes with him. There, nobody does it. So, you know, this is why he says when he is in the process of, of bringing Nicodemus uh, not Nicodemus, but Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, and all the religious people around him are saying, why is he hanging out with sinners? Why is he around these bad people, these lost causes? In Luke 19.10, Jesus reminds us, and he reminds them of what he's all about. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost, even the most lost causes in our minds. And that was exactly what those guys were thinking at the time. Jesus wants them. And even when you don't, or maybe, or I don't, and even when you just feel indifferent and you're living in your little Christian enclave with all of your little circle of uh, safe people, Jesus still wants them. Maybe sometimes you even feel like a lost cause. You feel like, man, I don't know if God can ever really get get turn me around. But I just want to say, whether it's you or somebody else, Jesus often seeks out the worst case to show us that he can save anybody. That's what Paul said, you remember? He said, I'm the chief of sinners. I mentioned that in the midweek. I'm the chief of sinners that God might show his infinite patience through me. Now, in Luke chapter 8, verse 26, remember, we're going through the book of, of Luke um, verse by verse, and a lot of folks are like, you know, 
Oh, you just can't imagine things people say, the criticisms sometimes, you know, that I'm not being Bible-centered or whatever. I am going verse by verse through the gospel. And so I don't know what more I can do about being Bible-centered and using Bible verses. But, um, you know, there's always going to be um, there's always going to be that woe unto you and all men speak well of you, right? Well, Luke 8, 26, it said, And they sailed to the country of the uh, Gerizines, and which is the opposite of Galilee. And when they had come out onto the land, he was met by a man, underlined a man, from the city who was possessed with demons and who had not put on any clothing <laughs> for a long time. He was not living in a house, but in the tombs. Now, Jesus gets there. He's come to this this. Uh, the other side of the lake, this outer region, the kind of hinterlands. And um, he's met with a a demon-possessed nudist. (laughs) That's about as off-putting as you can get. And what I want you to see is, what did Jesus see? Did he see a a nudist? Or he he saw the man. Jesus saw the man. He saw that he was a human. He didn't lose sight of your humanity. Your lost cause, what you could do, you turn him into a an, a kind of a, a thing, an object, or you, uh, you objectify people and you turn them into something other than the fact that's somebody's son, that's somebody's brother, that's somebody's, maybe somebody's dad, maybe somebody's mom, somebody's sister. He was a human. That's how... That's how Jesus looked at him. You know, when Jesus looks at you or anybody else, he always sees the person, the hidden person in there, the soul. He embrace he embraces their humanity, and that's what you're supposed to do. No matter how far out they might be, how much crazy stuff they're saying, how they might look, or what kind of clothes they have, or in this case, their lack thereof. He embraces their humanity. He was not just a human, but Jesus recognized that he was an outsider. The country of the Gerizines, which is opposite of Galilee. Jesus Jesus was going to a, a area that was inhabited by people who were not Hebrews and were pagans or, or Gentiles. Jesus always was intentional about reaching out to outsiders, getting outside of his little cultural group. You know, his, we can do that too. We get in our little cultural group and we don't think about, we don't even see people outside of that that live differently and eat differently and think differently and vote differently. He was intentional about it. Remember, we must go through Samaria. And he meets that Samaritan woman and nobody, even she was surprised. Jews have no friendly dealings with Samaritans. He was possessed. So he was a man. He was an outsider. And he was possessed. I mean, I can say in my own ministry, demonic possession is something I've encountered. But it's not that common. And it is not this extreme. This is an extreme, extreme case, even in Jesus's setting. And seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him with a loud voice. What business do we have to with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. Now, isn't it an amazing thing here that even the demons 
recognized Jesus' supreme authority. And they even witnessed of him. There's a lot of people that claim Jesus would never say, you know, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. (laughs) Jesus says to him, what is your name? And the lead, and the, and he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. You know, it seems like just one demon would be enough, but he had a legion. He had innumerable numbers of demons taking, have taken control of his life. And we think, before we're too wild, listen, we have a lot of innumerable powers. You may and I may, areas that we aren't even always aware of. They may not be demons, but they're, they're multitudes of challenges. And Jesus was able to deal with all of them. But not only was he possessed, but he was, because he was possessed, he was uncontrollable. He, we would say today, he was crazy. And sometimes people say, is that person mentally ill or are they demon-possessed? Maybe both. Who do you think the devil is going to go after? In Luke 8.29, he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For he had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard. Yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Man, breaking chains. We've heard these stories of people that had, like, um, beyond normal human strength. He was under crazy amounts of power. And he would rush off into the desert. And not only was he possessed and uncontrollable, they couldn't restrain him. He was scary. He was probably the guy that little kids were afraid of at night. Don't go out at night because you know who might be out there. He literally was living in the tombs. In Mark, Mark gives us a little bit different take on it. Mark 5, 3, it says, And he was dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken to pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gnashing himself with stones. Self-destruction with that lack of control. Wow. But what was the Savior's take on it? That was the man's position. But that was the man. But what about the Savior? Well, when Jesus looked at him, he saw somebody he wanted. He was wanted by Jesus. Jesus wanted, wanted him... Um, wanted the human being that was uncontrollable but was you know, the human being that was locked inside beyond that, that, that body that was under the control of the demon possessed he saw him as worth saving no matter what the cost he was wanted isn't it great to know that God wants you And that friend of yours or that relative or that brother or that sister, I don't know what you can do for him, but I want you to know God wants him. Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for there are many demons. And they were imploring him not to command them to go into the abyss. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding. 
there on the mountain. And the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. And when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away and reported, reported it in the city and out in the country. Now, that's a whole nother set of questions. You know, what about that? Well, we know that swine were unclean in the Jewish law. And we know that um, Jesus, we see in this that Jesus had absolute authority. They asked him, they said, don't cast us into the abyss. They recognize his divinity. They asked him to do something else and he cast them into the swine. And what did they do? Now the abyss in um, the way that word was used in the old, the, the old, in that time period was a watery chaos. So there's kind of a word play going on when they charge down into the lake. Well, but you know, he was possessed. He was uncontrollable. He was, he was someone who was wanted by Jesus. But here's what happened. After Jesus, he encountered Jesus, he was transformed by Jesus. See, that's the work. It's not just going forward or praying a prayer. What God really wants to do in someone's life is to transform him transform you transform that person in your life your your lost cause he wants to transform them the people went out to see what had happened and they came to jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone on sitting down at the feet of jesus now the book of mark says clothed and in his right mind i love that that phrase but he says he was sitting down at the feet of jesus clothed and in his right mind and they became frightened. Now, maybe they were frightened because of the power of God. It was unexplainable. It was so new. Maybe they were frightened because he wrecked their agricultural economy. But you know what? If he can transform that man, if he can change that person, he can change your lost cause too. And he can change you. We also see that this man, because of Jesus was a witness. He became a witness. They saw that and they were just shocked. And those who had seen it reported it, how the man was demon-possessed had been made well. Remember, he was not most likely a Jew at all. And all the people of the country of the Gergesenes and the surrounding district asked him to leave them, for they were gripped with great fear and they got in the boat and they returned. And then there's this, and this is strikingly included in this narrative. This man, because of what Jesus had done, he was transformed. But then he was called. The son of, he says, but the man from whom the demons, verse 38, had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. But he sent him away saying, return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. And he went proclaiming throughout the whole city and the great things that Jesus had done for him. Now, Mark says Decapolis, a little area of about 10 cities around there. Kind of like Toledo is around, you know, there's Winlock and Vader and, and Salcom and there's um, on Alaska. There's these little towns, these little hamlets. Let me just say something. If 
Jesus could take a man with a legion of demons, run around naked, breaking chains, and change him and bring him to a place where he was completely well. He can do that with anybody. If he could, and, and what he did was, if he could use that man, if he could change that man, if he could transform that man, he could transform anyone. You, your lost cause. And if he could do that, he can he can make a witness out of him. He can make a witness out of you. You know, sometimes people are called to go. And sometimes people are called to stay. They are. He was called. And sometimes people are called to go. And sometimes people are called to stay. But Jesus restored him to his community. You are a witness already when your life is changed. And you and I are called to be a witness to our community. So ask yourself, where is your Decapolis? Where is your hometown? You know, sometimes you're called to be a missionary, to go someplace else across the country, like they were leaving and he wanted to go. Sometimes staying can be as hard or even harder. Jesus even said, no one is without honor except for in his own country, among his own countrymen. You have a lot of people you know. You have a lot of people that don't have never gone to church. They don't really know anybody. You got some people that are tough. You know what? That's what we're here for. You know, the church is not a social club for a bunch of people that all think alike. Church is a place. It's a it's a it's a lifeboat. It's a it's a it's a boat where we refamily each other. We learn how to do that well. Who are your lost causes? Uh, you can invite them to church to come with you. You could tell them about Jesus. You could pray for them. But you could start right now with remembering their humanity, recognizing their humanity. And then start showing kindness. Pray for the ways to show compassion instead of fear and disgust. And then... Practice what you preach. Actually believe the power of Jesus to save and transform anyone. Do you believe it? Do you believe that he could take your cousin or your brother-in-law or your your brother or your sister or your somebody who's just off and where la la land, they're way out there? Do you believe it? You see, it's not you that's going to do it. Not your brilliant apologetics or argumentation or power. It's not you, but the power of Christ within you. This is what Paul said. We proclaim him. That's what you do. You proclaim him. He loves him. He forgives him. He's inviting him. He wants him. Those are the, that's the gospel. He loves, God loves him. God forgives him. God wants him. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that every man, right, even the lost causes, Colossians one twenty eight. So that we present every man complete in Christ. 
For this purpose, I also labor. This is what we do. We work at it. Striving according to his power, which works mightily within you. It's not you. It's his power working mightily within you. So pick your one right now, your lost cause. Maybe you got more than one, but you got that one. You know, your grandson or your, your granddaughter or your whoever. Pick your one and then pray for them right now. That's right. Take a minute. And now ask God to show you how to honor their humanity. Show some compassion. Believe for them in God's power to deliver by the gospel and the power of Christ's presence. That's what you got to do. You know what? (laughs) There's never been a better time for us right now as a church to reach people. We have... We have lots of opportunities. So let's do it right now. You know, at the bottom of your, right below your screen, you can, there's a link there where you can go to what's called Next Steps. And you might respond in this way. You might say, I feel like a lost cause. Pray God will deliver me and save me. And we will do just that and contact you. And then you might say, pray I will see Christ and Christ's power with my one. Pray I will see, see and share Christ's power with my one. I pray that you start that today. Thank you for watching. Please share this with somebody else. He wants you. God loves you. God forgives you. God wants you. Thanks for watching.